Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. So I want to start today by exposing some tricks that our electric guitar players use to make us sound better than we actually are, okay? So first off, electric guitars were never meant to be played without the accompaniment of other electronics. Like an electric guitar by itself kind of sounds a little, a little puny, okay? Not, not, not how you would imagine. So first we have to add an amp, which gives it a little bit of body. You hear a little bit of breakup that's happening. But if we really want it to sound like an electric guitar, we have to kick on overdrive and distortion. There it is, right? You hear that? In fact, that note, it kind of makes me think of uh, one of my favorite songs. And if you ever wonder about Dabo Sweeney's long-term future in college football, this song will tell you everything you need to know. Sweet home Alabama? No, kidding. All right, so... Here's what makes the sweet sauce of worship, the worship genre, and our guitar players that play worship, is uh, it's been influenced by bands like U2 and Coldplay that use echo and reverb. So here's a little bit of echo or delay. Hear that? So it kind of goes on. And then we could add a little bit of reverb to add a little, it's like a cave that it's in, and it kind of keeps the note going. We can add a lot of reverb. That note can go. Go, go, I'm gonna hand this. You can hear it now. That's the worship genre sound. It just sounds angelic, right? And notes can come in. But essentially, echo and delay, it's designed to keep telling a note over and over, a chord over and over, or a story over and over, so that the story continues to be told. And I got to thinking about how in our lives, we all carry some type of echo when we tell or retell experiences or stories in our lives to other people. We kind of keep something going. We keep an experience going. We keep a story going. This is why social media has started to incorporate stories on Instagram or on Facebook where you can reshare or Twitter where you can retweet. You're echoing something that you've seen, maybe a statement someone made, maybe a video that you saw. And we do it in real life too. When you experience a new restaurant, you love it, and you talk about it, you're echoing that experience to people around you. When you watch a new show that you love and you start telling people about this new show, you're creating an echo. And and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, man, we're, we're really carrying echoes very often. And the more people that get in on echoing the same story or the same line, the more curiosity is built, and the more popularity is built around that echo. So I was thinking about it, before we get started this morning, I kind of want to ask you to to think about a question real quick. I want you to consider, what are you currently echoing? What is your current echo? What's the thing that you're talking about, or, or what's the experience that you seem to be retelling? It could be something new that's on your heart, something new on your mind, something new that you've seen or experienced, or it could be something that you have been echoing for weeks or months or even years. The reason that we exist here at Foothills is because there was a man who lived on earth and had a radical life. He had a radical love and a radical message. 
And that man is Jesus. And one of the things most radical that we know about him is these eyewitnesses that saw him live and talk about radical things, but they saw him predict his own death and resurrection, and they wrote about his life, his death, his burial, and this miraculous resurrection. And then they wrote about what that means for all of humanity, for those that were reading it then and for you and I today. And that's written and recorded in the New Testament of the Bible. And, and while that's part of the echo, that's only a portion. Really, this entire book is all designed to be an echo of him and his story. And the men and women throughout history who have preserved this word and built churches and planted churches have passed that echo on from generation to generation to where you are today right here at Foothills. Foothills exists because there has been an echo of him. Now, Jesus also carries controversy, and he carried controversy when he lived here as well. And so today, I want to look at a moment, a week before his crucifixion, when he entered Jerusalem as a king, and there was an echo happening of his followers who were there shouting out praise, and they were there to exalt him as a king, but government officials and religious leaders were rejecting him that title. In fact, the reason that this happened only a week before his crucifixion is because his followers were starting to build so much enthusiasm and they were growing. And so people were beginning to be threatened by this kingdom that seemed like a, a rebellious crew. This is the echo that you and I are invited to learn from, this group of followers, and we're invited to be echoing this in our day today. Um, this echo is what we're invited to be a part of today, but I would say this, some of you are here today and you may not be sure where you stand when it comes to the controversy of Jesus. You may not be sure if you believe in Jesus or not. And I just want to invite you to stay engaged. Even though I'm talking to people about how to carry this echo on, you might feel like, man, that's, that's not for me. You would still enjoy today because we are going to talk a little bit about a rebel story, and that could be fun for you to dig into. But I also want to tell you that this is the type of church and the type of place where you can belong no matter what you believe. In fact, many of the people in this room have come in and engaged here before they believed in Jesus, one of those being my own wife who, who jumped into this church. And so I just want you to feel at home today as we dig into this story. So as Jesus was entering as king, there was a lot of praise and shouting, and his adversaries wanted this to stop on this particular day known as Palm Sunday. I want to look at Luke chapter 19. It says, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. I love this response because this shows us that Jesus was defiant. They're like, you have to stop this following from happening. Jesus is like, all right. I mean, I could, but even if I did, the stones are going to praise. Like, this is going to happen. You're not going to really be able to stop it. But this echo continued to grow from this group of followers. I want to look at three principles that we can learn from them today. Number one, this group, and we're invited to do this, we echo what he has done. We echo what he has done. This past fall, 2021, the Atlanta Braves, baseball just started back, so I'm pumped. The Atlanta Braves won their first World Series in 26 years. 
And afterwards, the city of Atlanta hosted a parade to celebrate what the team had accomplished. And as you can see, there was a lot of people there. In fact, they estimate that there was between four and 500,000 people that showed up to celebrate what the Atlanta Braves had accomplished. Well, on this particular Palm Sunday, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, this fell on what was Holy Week. And they were preparing to celebrate the Passover, which was something they celebrated every year in this culture. And so everybody was coming to Jerusalem in preparation for this. So there was a massive crowd present, and this is when Jesus is entering. But they weren't just there praising because, it, that, that was, they were praising because they had seen Jesus already do amazing things. Let's look at the scriptures. It says, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Let's, let's talk real quick about some of the things they had seen while Jesus was here. He had healed people of skin diseases. He had healed crippled people so that they could walk again. He had brought sight back to people who had been blind. He was able to heal people who were deaf and allow them to hear again. In fact, there were occasions where there were lines of sick and oppressed people who waited for Jesus and he would heal them one by one. He could turn water into wine. He could take five loaves of bread and two fish and he could turn it into enough food to feed over 5,000 people and have leftovers. When his friend Lazarus died, he brought him back to life. Jesus could walk on water and he could look at a storm and simply by his words tell it to stop. They had seen Jesus do amazing things and the list actually goes on and on. One of the witnesses, John, wrote in his gospel this about what Jesus had done. This is the last verse of his book. It says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could, could, could not contain the books that could be written. Is that not a cool verse? Is that not a cool verse? There was an echo happening because this group of people had seen Jesus do a ton and he had done a ton for them. But Jesus didn't stop working while he was on earth. He has continued to work in the lives of generations since then. And if you're in this room and you've seen Jesus do something in your life, would you just nod your head if you have seen Jesus do a work in your life, he has done many things. And I actually just want to pause right there and think for a moment. And I want to invite you to, to think about this question. What has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus done in your life? When I stop and I pause and I give that question some time, it doesn't take much time for me to think of a lot of things. In fact, just for a couple minutes, if I spent a couple minutes, I could think of enough that we wouldn't have time for me to share the testimonies with you today because he's been that good and he's done that much. But if you're like me, and I know that you are, <laughs> one thing that we all do as humans, this is something that's plagued humanity, is we tend to forget what Jesus has done in our life. And this has been the case for God's people all along. In fact, the Old Testament is filled with stories of his people seeing him move in an amazing way and praising him and creating an echo of praise to God 
And then shortly after, forgetting what he had done and starting to walk away from his better way of life. And then they would land in trouble and they'd cry out again, God, we need your help. And God would deliver again. He'd move again. And they would echo a praise again. And then guess what would happen again? They would forget. It's so easy for us to forget. And that has continued on even into our day. And one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, actually wrote this and left this for all believers so that we would think about and continue to remember what Jesus has done. This is in 2 Peter. He said, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Now, the them that he's talking about, he says, whoever does not have them, the few verses before this talk about character traits that those who follow Jesus have. When you follow Jesus, he has the ability to transform your life. And he's saying, like, when these are not present, that, that you're blind. And what he said is, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. It's so important that we remember the faithfulness, that we remember what Jesus has done. One of my favorite ways to keep track and stimulate my memory is through journals. I love being able to look at past seasons in my life when I journaled things that God had done. There'll be details that I would otherwise have forgotten about, but just getting to read what he's done brings me so much encouragement and so much confidence that if God did it then, he can, he can do it now. And I've not always been faithful to keep journals, but I'm grateful for the seasons that I have. And that might be a way that you could engage in keeping track of what's, what God is doing so that you can look back at what he's done. But in order to do that, you've got to be aware of what he's doing now, which is the second echo. This group, and we are invited to echo what he is doing. We echo what he's done, and we echo what he is doing. Before he entered Jerusalem as king, he asked his disciples for some help. He said, go into that village over there. He told them, as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you are untying that colt, just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over him, uh, over it for him to ride on. So they brought this colt. This is a donkey. They brought to Jesus. And Jesus would ride into this crowd and, and have a following that would, that would show up to praise him, riding in on a donkey. And I, I just want us to, to, to sit for a moment and think about how upside down this was. Like in our day, if there is a big parade or event and someone of, of high esteem or high position or the president or an empire type thing so, like shows up, they're going to come with an entourage. You think of them coming like with a helicopter or a plane, military presence, secret service, maybe a luxury vehicle. It's going to be loud. It's going to be protected. It's going to be very obvious. And in this day, those that were in leadership positions, especially the Roman Empire, would have come in on horses, and they would have had weaponry around them. And a horse represented war. And this was important. They wanted the people to know that they were strong as leaders. They, they represented strength. 
and they could be trusted. And Jesus had this thing flipped upside down because a donkey doesn't represent war. A donkey actually represents peace. Jesus came in meek and humble. And in this moment, he was showing them, my kingdom is upside down from the type of kingdom that you're looking for in this world. Some come to bring war. I come to bring peace. But it wasn't just about the symbol and what it meant. It was about the fact that this was something that was prophesied long ago. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This was a prophet of the Lord. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. This prophet, Zechariah, made this prediction over 500 years prior to this moment. So this group of followers were getting to echo what he was doing and getting to experience and see what he was doing for a couple of reasons that I want to point out to us. Number one, they knew his word. They knew the prophecies. They knew what this prophet Zechariah had said. They knew that there would be a day where, where they could see a king riding on a donkey and this symbolized that the Messiah was here, their savior was here. Because they were aware of the word, they got to see what he was doing. The second reason is because they were looking for him. Because of all the prophecies that had been told, Israel was awaiting a savior that would restore their kingdom. In fact, Zechariah, the prophet, when he wrote this, Israel was returning to their nation that they had been exiled from. And at this time in their history, they were longing for restoration and longing for a kingdom that would remain established. And so they were waiting for this Savior. They were looking for him. And when they heard accounts of what was happening, they could be aware of what he was doing, what they were seeing right in front of them. So I want to ask you another question to ponder. I want to ask you, how current is your history with Jesus? How current is your history with Jesus? What is he doing in your life right now? When you talk about Jesus, do you talk about an event, a moment, a couple of seasons back then, where he moved and he was faithful? And I'm, I'm not discounting, that was awesome. This is important to remember. We just talked about remembering that. But do you have things that you can point to right now that he's doing right now? Because here's what I can tell you about Jesus. He wants to be current with you right now. He desires relationship with you. He desires intimacy with you. Him saving you was not a one-time event. It wasn't the pinnacle and everything else is downhill from there. That was a starting point and it gets sweeter and it gets better as we walk in relationship with him. And that is the relationship that he desires to have with you. He wants you to see what he is doing right now. So how do we stay tuned in to what he's doing? Well, let's learn from his followers. If they knew his word, I wanna ask you, do you know his word? Are you reading his word? This is, this is his story. This is the story of who he is. This is the echo that he's given for you to get to know him. And as you get to know him, you're going to be able to see what he's doing in your life. What he's doing around you. They were looking for him. I want to ask you, are you looking for him? 
Are you looking for ways to draw near and to connect, maybe through prayer or maybe through worship? In his word, he tells us that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He desires to be near to you. Jesus is not hiding from you. (laughs) This 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 is not hide and seek. Jesus wants to be found by you. And so I would just ask you, are you looking for him? Or maybe, you know, I'll be honest. I've had seasons where I have been disciplined. I've been in his word and I have engaged in prayer and worship and it just still feels stale. Just, just being honest. There's times where like, Jesus, I'm showing up. I, I, I know that I'm supposed to read your word. I'm reading, nothing really moved me today. I'm praying, I just, it feels stale. It doesn't feel like an intimate relationship. I'm, it's not exciting. I don't have this amazing experience. Jesus, I want to see what you're doing, but I, I feel a little bit distant. And if that's, that's you today, I just, wanna, I just wanted to share that to let you know I, I empathize with you. I've been there, but I'm encouraged in this passage because I guarantee you that there were people in the crowd there that day that didn't feel as close to Jesus as others were in the room. They maybe felt a rung out on the circle or a little bit removed, or there may have even been skeptics that were there. But you know what happened on that day? They got to see what Jesus was doing in that moment, on that day, this historic moment, simply by being where his followers were. And so I want to encourage you that if you feel disconnected from the Lord today, by simply being around his followers here in the local church, you're getting an opportunity today to see what he's doing. And my prayer is that you would get that opportunity today and that you would see what he is doing. This is why church is so important. This is why God designed the church is because there are going to be seasons that it feels stale. There's going to be seasons where I'm struggling in my faith and I need to borrow some of your faith. And there's gonna be seasons where you're struggling in your faith and you're going to need to borrow some of my faith. By being where his followers are, we have the opportunity to see what he is doing. Number three, we echo what he is going to do. We echo what he is going to do. There is a hope in what he is going to accomplish. For this group on this day, they clung to so many of the prophecies of the Old Testament. As I said, they were longing for restoration. They were longing for a savior. And not just for the kingdom aspect, but the atonement of their sins. They knew it separated them from from God and they wanted an atonement once and for all like the Lord had talked about through his prophets. And while Jesus was here, he actually pulled from one of these prophecies to let them know we were getting closer to the time. This is in Luke chapter four. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written, and he read this from the 61st chapter of Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. These prophecies, it is happening right now. And what you're longing for, a savior, 
that would atone for everything is here and this, this hope that you've been hoping for, it's coming. They were praising him for the hope that they were going to see. And they didn't know exactly how it was going to go down. Jesus had given them some warning, but they, they, couldn't, they couldn't clearly see how this was going to go down, but they had a hope in what he was going to do. And so their echo was to praise him for what he is going to do. Today, we can have even more confidence than they had then when we praise Jesus for the hope of what he is going to do. There is not a more significant moment in the history of our world than the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it cannot be denied. And so we can have confidence that these prophecies have already been fulfilled that there's already promises that he fulfilled. So when he talks about what he's going to do in the future, that he's going to establish his good and just kingdom and restore this earth once and for all, that he is going to atone for our sins and then he's going to look at the enemy and defeat the enemy once and for all. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more grieving. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more suffering. In Revelation 17, it says this, together they will go to war against the lamb, the lamb being Jesus but the lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and king of all kings and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. If you have given your life to Jesus, you are his called, his chosen, and his faithful ones. And you get to be on the side of victory. And there is so much hope in that. We can echo with praise what he's going to do. We can echo what he's doing right now. And we can echo what he's done for us in the past. This echo, Foothills, this is how we help people find and follow Jesus. This echo is the testimony of Jesus. What he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. This testimony is how we help people find and follow Jesus. And as we prepare for Easter next week and the opportunity of a community that's more likely to say yes to come to church on Easter Sunday than any other time of the year, we have an opportunity to reignite this echo and see God do something amazing. But I want to give us even more encouragement. Even if you choose to pass and say, that's cool, uh, uninterested. God is going to create an echo. He will be praised whether you praise him or not. In fact, he kind of made an un, uh, like a, a prediction undercover when the Pharisees asked him to stop what was going on. Remember, they came to him, rebuke your disciples, stop this praise from happening. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. You could stop them, but the stones are gonna burst into cheers. Other translations say the rocks are gonna cry out if they stop. Well, a week after this day, Jesus would be crucified and the echo would be silenced because his followers would watch their friend, their pastor, their leader, their king, beaten and, and left to hang till he died on a cross. 
And the people that put him there would mock the title that they were praising him for. They would put king of the Jews on the cross. And then they would take him and they would place him in a tomb. And all of the hope that his followers had in a moment was silenced. The kingdom that they were hoping for, the savior that was doing miraculous things, had been silenced. And now they were silent. And his enemy wanted to make sure that they they weren't just silent now, that they remained silent after his death. Let's look at the, the gospel of Matthew 27. It says, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. It's one of the leaders there. They told him, sir, we remember what the deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I'll rise from the dead. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted the guards to protect it. They sealed this thing. They wanted to make sure it was shut and things remained silent and it was silent. The movement was over. And then Sunday morning came. I'm telling you, when I read this, I stood up. I had never noticed this. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. How would you describe the sound of an earthquake? Like, thunder maybe, maybe some like tumbling or rumbling or maybe like stones bursting into cheers, <laughs> like rocks crying out. If they keep silent, the rocks will cry out. Y'all, the rocks cried out. It's amazing amazing detail where Jesus is like, it's not going to matter. When I raise from the dead, the rocks are going to get this party started. Let's look what happens for an angel. The Lord came down from heaven. He rolled aside the stone and he sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women. They said, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. So come, see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. The stones cried out. Jesus said, you can keep them silent, but the stones are going to burst into cheers. And the angel of the Lord showed up to say, Mary, Mary, he's not here. The stones got the echo party started. Now it's your turn. I want you to go to your disciples now. I want you to tell them what you have seen that he's not here, that he's risen. And then Jesus trusted that group to then go and start the movement that we read about in Acts where thousands were moved by the gospel, by this testimony, by Jesus choosing to do this and take their punishment and saying, I'll die for you, but raising from the dead, anyone who calls on him will be saved. There was a movement that happened because of the echo of this gospel. And that's been passed from generation to generation across different nations, all the way to the point where you are sitting right here today day and you are invited foothills to be a part of that echo the echo to help people find and follow Jesus and I want to encourage you 
Maybe there were seasons in your life where you were more engaged in being a part of this mission, more engaged in being part of the echo that helps more people find and follow him than you are today. I get it. It can be tough. Life gets tough. Other things get in the way. But I want to, I want to invite you back today. I want to invite you to re-engage that this is part of your purpose that Jesus has given you. And our world needs an echo of Jesus. His echo is getting more and more dim. And I don't look at that as a shame. I look at that as an opportunity. And I look at you as a group who could be used for something incredible. What if God could use this group of misfits right here at Foothills to start echoing this all throughout our community and we could see revival in the upstate of South Carolina. I believe God could do that. And we don't get to choose whether or not God brings revival, but we get to choose whether or not we say we want in on being a part of it. Listen, God can use rocks. We've seen it. He can use the stones, but he loves it when people say, Jesus, use me. I will be the echo that helps others find and follow you. Foothills, I want to invite you to engage in being the echo. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you that God would ignite the echo in all of us to carry his gospel, his truth to a world that desperately needs him. Before I do, maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to tell you that this book has been preserved who he is has been preserved and churches like Foothills have been planted so that he could get his story to you. And today the echo has come to you where you're sitting right here today and he's calling you and he wants relationship with you. He wants to save you from your sins and he wants to transform your life and I promise you it will change everything. And all you have to do is say yes and surrender your life and you could do that right now by praying a prayer like this, Jesus I want to follow you. I believe that you are who you said you were. I believe that you lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death. But I believe that God raised you from the dead. So Jesus, today, I ask you to save me from my sins. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.